very good evening to you. Welcome along to this edition of Gospel for You, which we're entitling Just As I Am. Just now you've been listening in to the congregation of Victoria Gospel Hall singing I Am The Way, The Truth and The Life. And these are words that Jesus spoke in John chapter 14, verse 6. Now on to our scripture, or should I say scriptures for this evening. John chapter 1, verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Luke chapter 18 verses 15 to 17. The little children and Jesus. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When his disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Matthew chapter 19 verse 14 Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And Galatians chapter 3 verse 26. So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. Even though many of us who are with this program or who are listening to this program are adults. If we believe and have a childlike faith then we can become children of God. We are considered to be children of God. The central essence of the gospel is to be found in John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes shall not perish but shall have everlasting life. When we believe this we can have not only everlasting life but a rich relationship with God. God wants us to come to him through faith and as we heard john 14 verse 6 sung just at the top of the program i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me and we'll go back to that first scripture that we read out john chapter 1 verse 12 yet to all who did receive him to those who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of God and it is God's word that we are clinging on to and it is God's word that really and truly and so many of these gospel for you programs we want that to stand on its own because it can God's word can truly stand on its own and it's my prayer listeners that that word God's word will come alive in your hearts and a prayer prayer just now to that effect. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, I'm aware that we may well have some new listeners this evening, and for them and for everyone else. Lord God, your word tells us that your word does not return void. Your word tells us that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the vision of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and judging the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Your word says, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that shatters a rock. That is how effective God's word is. And 
when in John 1 verse 12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And in Luke chapter 18 verse 17, Jesus said, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And that reminder of Galatians chapter 3 verse 26 so in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith this is gospel for you it is our heart to get the gospel out to every language group around the world wheresoever you may be and whoever you may be if you believe the gospel if you believe that scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes shall not perish but shall have everlasting life. If you believe that, you confess it, then you will have everlasting life. You will have a rich relationship with God. In this program, we've got uh, your gospel, and your gospel is John 3.16 in different languages. And I've just read the first of these out in English. And we also have your gospel in Swahili and in Swedish as well. We've got a testimony from Les Brown, and he's relating aspects of his life as a MAF, that's a mission aviation pilot. And he's here between jobs, and he's received an anonymous letter and you'll also be able to hear a great message this is gospel for you now now let's listen to les brown as he relates the tale about the anonymous letter it just so happened i had an anonymous letter this letter arrived at a critical time but i need to give some background before i tell you more I had obtained my commercial pilot's licence but had no job, so decided to get on a train and go from Pitlochry, five miles, 500 miles south of London, to look for one. I found one, labouring in a chocolate factory. I like chocolate, but not that much. However, a life-changing event was about to take place. Labouring alongside me was another young man who was waiting to go into the ministry, and who was keen to share his Christian beliefs. I had always been a religious person, but this was different. He showed me how God didn't want my religion. He wanted me. Eventually I was faced with the toughest decision of my life, to give myself, body, soul, spirit, to Jesus Christ, who had given his total self for my salvation so that from then on I could live my life under his direction, or to follow through with my own ambition and plans, which meant flying aeroplanes. It didn't occur to me that God had already been directing my life in this particular direction. Still learning. With a real sweat, I went for it. From that time, Jesus Christ has been my Lord and Master. I haven't always been a good and faithful servant, but I'm glad that he is used to working with rough material. It wasn't too long after this that I discovered the existence of Missionary Aviation Fellowship, a Christian mission flying light aircraft for missions working in very remote places in Africa. After making contact, I was invited for an interview in their office in South Woodford, Essex. 
They showed interest in my qualifications, but added, much to my dismay, that they required their pilots to have engineering qualifications also, and to have done a year at Bible college. I had no aircraft engineering qualification, and was not too interested in this skill, and of course no Bible college training either. Nearly two years passed working at the chocolate factory, and during that time I became part of a local church in Croydon. I must have shared with some people that one day I hoped to get into mission flying and commented that I first would have to do a Bible college training. The day finally came when I got flying work and after further training became first officer on DC-3 aircraft, that's the old Dakotas, carrying 36 passengers to various places in UK and Europe. After another two years and having lost contact with my friends in the Croydon area, I felt God was pressing on my heart that I should go to Bible college. This was a real challenge because I now had my feet firmly in the door of professional flying and it was all forward and upwards. Anyway, I didn't have enough money to pay for a year at Bible college. God kept pressing it on my heart. Bible college. So I kept going back to my little bank book and no, there was not enough money. Bible college. Okay, I decided to apply to a Bible college, which I did, to start in a few months' time. What about the money? Well, a few days later, back came a thick envelope from the Bible college with application forms. In the same postal delivery, I found a letter with scrawly writing, postmarked Croydon. No address. Here is what this anonymous letter said, and I still have it before me. Dear Mr. Brown, I have heard that you are hoping to do full-time work for God, and that will, that will mean training, and that will mean funds. I've had some unexpected money given me. I feel God wants me to give you this towards your training. Please don't try and find out where this has come from. Just accept it from God, for it is he who has laid this on my heart to send it. God bless you, a fellow Christian. I had no contact with friends in Croydon for nearly two years and had not mentioned to anyone about my current, current thoughts of Bible school. In fact, I couldn't even make up my own mind in the matter. That kind of gracious person must have remembered my possible plans from two years earlier. Now, the gift in the envelope was £50 back then when it was sent. 2pm, 23rd of March, 1961, according to the post office date stamp. It must have been the equivalent of £500 in today's money, or even more. Enough to tip the balance, enabling me to pay college fees for a year. Later on, I earned enough during vacation time to pay for a second year. Now, it just so happened that this gift arrived at the same time as the application forms. Was God saying something? If he had sent the gift a week or two earlier, it would have been easy for me to simply fill in the forms, knowing already that I had enough money. 
this was a lesson that was going to be repeated again and again in the future, that God will provide if we are doing his will. We have to believe it. It would be lovely to say that I have thoroughly learned this, but I'm a very slow to do so. I look forward to meeting this dear person in God's kingdom to say a big thank you. Before packing my bags for Bible college, I had been sub-based at Gatwick, doing flights with holiday makers to the south of France. A few days after the start of the college term, the BBC News announced the crash of a Derby Airways DC-3 with 36 passengers and three crew on board during thunderstorms in the mountains near its destination of Perpignan. All on board were killed. The question has remained with me ever since. Would I have been co-pilot on that flight if I hadn't left to start Bible College when I did? Kwa mahana chinzi hii mungu aliupenda ulimwengu ata akamtoa mwanawe pekee ili kila mtu amwaminie aspotee bali awe na usima wa milele This is Gospel for You, where our heart is to get the gospel out to every language group around the world, and these broadcasts are helping us to do that. You've just been listening in to Your Gospel in Swahili and an anonymous letter with Les Brown. Coming up now is Tom Barker from Lee Gospel Hall as he speaks about Mark chapter 1, verse 21. Now we're continuing our studies in the Gospel of Mark this morning. Uh, last week, Boya took us through uh, the first part of chapter 1. We saw there and this man, John the Baptist, and he was preparing the way. Uh, he was heralding the news that this one Christ, Jesus, was coming. Uh, we then saw the baptism of Christ. We saw the temptation um, of Christ. And we saw the beginnings of the ministry of Christ with the calling of his disciples. Now really, if you wanted to put a header over that, you could say something along the lines of, um, the Saviour uh, presented or the, or the Saviour prepared. However, now in, in our section, starting from verse 21 uh, this morning, we are really focusing on uh, the, the, the ministry of the Saviour beginning. Um, and it's really taking um, hold as, he, as he's going round Galilee um, in his ministry. And so we'll read from there verse 21 um, of Mark 1 verse 21. And they went to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him, and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew and with James and John. 
Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up and the fever left her and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick and oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread openly, and sorry, and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Let us pray before we we begin this morning. Our God and our Father, we do thank you for such a privilege and opportunity that we have to come and read your holy word and we understand that there is great truth in it and we ask that we would be able to see that this morning, that you would reveal it to us and that your name would be worthily praised for the glory of your grace towards us in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we continue in the the story of the life of Jesus Um, and from verse 21 we see that he comes to this place Capernaum. Now Capernaum was one of the largest cities in Galilee. Uh, It would really be a place, um, almost a base camp for Christ um, in the the ministry around Galilee. And it says there that on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and he was in the synagogue and um, as was the tradition um, that the men would, would teach And so he was teaching, however, there was something different about his teaching. And you know, the people who went to that synagogue every week, they were maybe sitting there and thinking, no, this man speaks differently. He's not not just quoting the traditions and he's not just uh, relaying what we've heard before and and, and before that. But there's uh, there's something different. They say he speaks with authority. And well, of course he speaks with authority. For the very words which he is speaking from the Old Testament, well, they speak about him. And he could give revelation, he shed light on the mysteries that are in the Old Testament. And then this man, this demon-possessed man, stands up and starts wailing. And he's shouting. And he has authority over him as well. The demons knew fine who Christ was. 
They said that he was the Holy One of God and they knew that he could destroy them. But Jesus says to them, be silent, come out of him. And then they leave the synagogue and they go. And it says immediately, the verse 29, he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew, his disciples. And Simon's mother-in-law was ill. She was in bed with a fever. And the Lord takes her by the hand and the fever leaves her. And then it says that evening, uh, verse 32, At sundown they brought to him all who were sick and oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. This was no ordinary man. There was a throng about the house because they were also amazed at the fact that this man could, could speak with authority, could cast out demons, could heal the sick. They had never seen a man like this before. And really what we need to understand at the beginning of our, our considerations this morning is that, well, this is no ordinary man. It's not even just a, a particularly good man, but this is deity dwelling bodily. This is God taking on human flesh and living as a man. Which is an incredible truth. That the Almighty God became a man. That the transcendent, holy, sovereign one took on a form like you and I. However, he wasn't all like you and I, for he was divine and he had authority. Complete and sovereign authority. Holy God and holy man. And then we read there in verse 35 of him rising early in the morning and going out to pray. For there is now a next stage to his ministry which he is embarking on. And it says there in verse 39, And he went throughout all Galilee and preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. So they leave Capernaum and they're going from town to town and he is teaching in their synagogues and he is casting out demons. Now really, uh, the verses which I want to focus on this morning in particular are here in verses 40 to 45. And we see here that that as Christ was walking along the way, he was maybe going between two towns, uh, a leper comes to him. A leper. And this leper, and he falls down and, and is on his knees before Christ and he says to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Now the Bible speaks a lot about lepers. We're told quite a lot about uh, this disease, leprosy. Um, Now really in scripture it would cover a variety of skin conditions. Um, Leviticus 13 speaks particularly um, of leprosy. You don't have to turn to it. However it says there um, a a list of of laws um, and instructions given to the priests in Israel with regard to leprosy. On a Sunday night we're going through Exodus and we're considering this, the people of Israel and how Moses took the people of Israel out of Egypt and they crossed through the, through the Red Sea and then they were brought into the wilderness. Now it was in the wilderness that the Lord gave uh, the law to, to the people of Israel and within that law, here in Leviticus, we see that there was laws about leprosy. 
Now, yes, this was for their health and for their good. They were in the wilderness and there would have been disease. And so there was a cleanliness that was needed. However, it speaks of more than that. There was a picture in this law. It speaks a lot about this leprosy and it it defiling a person. Making them unclean. Ceremonially unclean. And there's a picture there and I believe um, that there's a picture of sin. That this leprosy, this defilement, this uncleanness is a picture of sin. You see, it says there in Leviticus 13 that uh, if the disease, if the, 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 the defilement, the, the, the spot or blemish, and maybe even a, a scale on the skin, if it was deeper than the skin, if it was truly not just surface level, but a, a, a deeper issue, then the man or woman was pronounced unclean. And I think there's a great point for us here in this, this fact of being deeper than the skin. Because, well, the Bible says that the, the issue of sin that we have, our defilement, our, our imperfection, well, it's deeper than the skin. You know, I, I'm sure a lot of people would say, I have sinned. And I would know plenty of people who would willingly say, I've done some things that are wrong. And I'm sure you wouldn't deny that. However, I know few people who can actually say, I am a sinner. You see, the Bible says we're not defiled just because we do wrong things. But there's a greater issue here that actually man's heart is corrupt and evil. Now that's not popular today and it's not what's seen in the culture, but it's what the Bible says. And it says that when Adam sinned, when Eve took of the fruit in the garden, that a corruption entered man. Now I can know this to be true, because we know fine that we are not who we ought to be. And we have desires which we, we wish we, we don't. We wish we wouldn't. And maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're, you're perplexed in your life while you keep on doing the things you don't want to do. The man, the man sins and, and he regrets the sin and he hates himself for the sin. And he goes away from it and he wishes never to do it again but the next day he does it again. Why is this? Why are we corrupted? Why are we sinful? It's because we're diseased. We are like this leper. We are unclean. Our hearts are rotten with sin. Now in these verses in Leviticus 13, uh, it speaks about uh, the consequences and the action that must be taken by the priests when they find a man or a woman who is unclean. And it says there, uh, the, the person with leprosy, Uh, He shall wear torn clothes. He shall let the hair of his head hang loose. He shall cover his upper lip. He shall cry out, unclean, unclean. 
he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside of the camp. Now there's a lot there for us, but I want to focus on the fact that his dwelling shall be outside of the camp. You see, this uncleanness, this defilement inside us, uh, this, this corrupt and broken heart that we have which desires sin, it defiles us and so we have to be taken outside of the camp. That speaks about being taken far from the presence of God. It speaks about being taken outside of the blessings of being in God's presence. Of the fellowship and communion with God. And let me tell you, if you're not a Christian today, right now you are separated from God and you will eternally be separated from God. If you haven't put your trust in Christ, if you haven't come like this leper and, and asked that you would be clean, then you are separated. You have to live outside the camp. This leper in Mark, he, he knew fine um, the laws of the, the Levitical law. He knew it well. He was living outside of the city. And he was burdened with this. And I'm sure he would have been grieved and, and cast down that every day he had to be called unclean. And I wonder if that's like you this morning. I wonder if you're coming here uh, and you are burdened by the weight of your sin. And you know that something's not right in your life and you come here this morning because you think, well, maybe coming to church, that can solve it. Or maybe you're thinking if I do enough good things, well, maybe that will solve it. Or maybe if I, I, I say my prayers and, and I read my Bible, maybe that will solve this issue which I know is within me. Well, I, my prayer would be this morning that you could understand something this leper understood. Because we read there in verse 40... If you will, you can make me clean. And you see, the leper understood that there was one way which he could be made clean. There was not really a cure for leprosy. It didn't tend to kill, however it would linger. And it led to a life of misery. Miserable people under the the burden of their own defilement. However, this leper has heard of this man, Jesus of Nazareth. And he's heard of how he speaks with authority. And he's heard of how he can cast out demons. And he heard of how he, he healed that many outside Peter's house. And he knew, this man, Jesus, he can, he can make me clean. You know, Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I'm sure we all know that verse, but do we believe it? 
Do we truly know that we can only come to the Father, that we can only be let back into the camp, that we can only be brought into the presence of God through faith and trust in Christ? Or are we toiling with our own efforts? Are we trying to make our own way to heaven? And are we trying to bring ourselves into the presence of God? I'm sure the leper had spent much time and money with doctors and all sorts of uh, processes, but it wasn't working. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is one way to God. There is one cure to your defilement of sin, and it's by putting your faith and trust in Christ Jesus. And so this man comes before Jesus, a picture of our own sinfulness. And he was, had skin with scales, he had wounds which were open, he was a really dif- disfigured and disgusting sight. He was defiled, contaminated, broken with this disease and he falls on his knees before the Christ and this one with all authority to cast out demons he has compassion on him and this is the glory of the gospel this is a wonderful truth of all of this that when this corrupt and defiled man meets the almighty God he has compassion on him and he is gracious and he is kind and there was a time in my life when I came before God in my sin and in the disgustingness of my own flesh and I said Lord forgive me cleanse me and make me whole and he had compassion on me (coughs) the same word is used in the story of the prodigal son this son had left he had gone he had wished his father for dead he had taken his father's money and he had gone into a far land and he had squandered it he had wasted all that his father had given him famine hits that land and he's left without his money Uh, He's struggling for work and he thinks, well, I'll have to go back to my father. And so he walks along the road and his head is hanging and he's ashamed and he's embarrassed. And he knows how, how disgusting a person he is. And his father's standing there. And he's standing outside the house. And he sees his son. He knows his figure in the distance. And it says that he had compassion on him. This son who had sinned so greatly against him, who had, who had turned his back on his father, the father had compassion on him. And if you come to Christ this morning, you will not be rejected. You will not be turned away. But he will have compassion on you. And he will have mercy on your state. A bruised reed he will not break. And a faintly burning wick he will not quench. A bruised reed he will not break. 
For consider the garden, and consider the man Adam. Adam who had, with Eve, taken of the fruit, disobeyed the God who had given them all things, Turn to Satan and the devil and evil and all that could be offered, all of that, in exchange for the glory and the blessings of the garden. Rejected their God. And the Lord is walking through the garden, and Adam and Eve, they're hiding from the presence of God. And the Lord finds them, and he says, What have you done? But the first thing he says to Adam and Eve, he says to the women, Women, your seed shall crush the serpent's head. <coughs> and his heel shall be bruised. And even in the Garden of Eden, even... In that state of perfection, when man sinned and, and defiled all the good that God had given him, the Lord was gracious. And he gave a promise, and he gave a promise of grace, and he gave hope. And yes, Adam and Eve were thrown out of the garden, and yes, that was a terrible, a terrible time. However, they could live in hope of a future coming Messiah. Of this seed of the women. And they lived in hope that there was one coming who would deliver them. Who would cleanse them from their disease of sin. Who would make them forgiven. And they lived in faith. In that promise. Our God is a compassionate and gracious God. Yes, he is the almighty God. And absolutely he has sovereign authority over all things. But that same God, who is your judge, is so compassionate and gracious that if you trust in his Son, you can be saved. Verse 42, And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. He was made clean. This man who comes in all his, his defilement and corruption, the disgusting nature of his disease, ill from within, completely made clean. In the Levitical law, when someone was made clean, and when someone was pronounced clean, well, well, two things happened. The defiled man, he was first, and he was first uh, physically cleansed. You know, if if the priest inspected and saw that the disease had not spread, uh, that it had, it had diminished. Then he was he was clean, but then also he was ceremonially cleansed, and there was a process of, of sacrifice and offerings to ceremonially cleanse him. 
Now the same is true for the Christian. When you put your faith and trust in Christ, you, your heart issue of sin will be cured. Now I'm not promising that you won't sin. But I am promising that the Spirit will come in and you will have power over sin. A power that you don't have before salvation. Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. For freedom. Now the Christian knows that. The Christian knows that they are no longer under the slavery of sin. The Christian knows that they have been set free. But you will also be cleansed before God. And this is a wonderful truth. For as a Christian I can come before God and I can be cast down and my head can be burdened with the sinfulness of my own nature but I can glory and marvel in the fact that I am presented before God spotless. And I know for certain that because I am found in Christ God looks on me and sees me as righteous. And what a wonderful and glorious truth that is. Jude in his final words of his small epistle writes now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God our Saviour through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory majesty dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Yes, you are defiled by sin. If you're not a Christian this morning, you are. And you have a serious disease and a serious issue which needs to be dealt with right now. And I cannot add emphasis on that enough. However, I'll tell you a second truth, that there is a glorious Saviour, a compassionate Lord, who will forgive you and will cleanse you from your sin if you trust in Him. It's the glory of the Gospel. That the corrupt man meets a holy God and is met with compassion. I am a great sinner, but I have a greater saviour. And in the closing verses here we see that Jesus says they sternly charged this man. And he said to him, Go, show yourself to the priest. That is, to do the sacrifices given in the, the law in Leviticus. But he also says, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go. A simple command. It was the Lord's will that this man said nothing to anyone. This man who had just been shown such grace and mercy and such love that he would be cleansed, 
that the, 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 the illness and disease which he was, he was struck with for years would be removed, that he would be completely healthy, he was given one simple command. And he disobeyed. He failed to keep it. And he went into the city. And he talked freely about it. And he spread the news. Now what I want to draw attention to is this. Look who bore the consequences of this man's actions. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places. The man, the leper, who at the start of our story was an outcast and out outside the city, by the mercy and grace of our God and Saviour, has been now brought in. And the Saviour who has every right to be within the city, he has gone out. There has been a substitution made. And doesn't this point to the cross? Doesn't this point to the fact that on the cross there was a man 2,000 years ago who died in your place if you trust in him? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You see, the suffering and punishment which Christ bore on the cross was what you deserved. It was what I deserved. He didn't deserve to, to, to suffer one bit. However, he suffered it all in my place. And I can clearly remember the first time I understood this. And the joy fills my heart to know that I am not saved by my own efforts, but there is a man, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who died in my place. And the Sovereign Lord had compassion on me and has saved me by His grace. And I wonder this morning, I wonder will you carry on sitting in your own defiled state? in the disgusting nature of your own sin or will you turn and look to the Saviour will you seek salvation while it is offered will you know the joy of sins forgiven he was rich yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. Shall we pray? Our God and our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the glory of your grace and compassion to sinful men and women such as us. Father, that you have not judged us according to our sins, but that if we put faith and trust in you, we can be redeemed by the blood of the Saviour. 
that we can be cleansed, that we can be healed. That although we were once defiled before you, we can know what it is to be welcomed and accepted into your presence in the cleansing blood of Christ. Father, we praise you for such a glorious salvation, for such wonderful grace towards us. And Father, I would ask that everyone who has not yet put their faith and trust in Christ Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, Father, we pray earnestly that today would be the day that they would do so. In Christ's name, Amen. Tom Barker from Vanilly Gospel Hall speaking about Mark chapter 1 verse 21 and with the thought of Just As I Am, which is the theme for this program. Just As I Am. Really thinking about a childlike faith is what we have been thinking about in this program. John chapter 1 verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Galatians chapter 3 verse 26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. We're thinking about what it is to be a child of God and only those with a childlike faith can enter the kingdom of heaven. Those who truly believe that Christ Jesus came to the earth, died on the cross in our place for each one of us and that because of that we can have salvation and a rich relationship with God and it really relies on faith. This part of the program is about prayer, putting things into context and even more to give you, the listener, the opportunity to apply this for yourself, to respond for yourself and perhaps even to accept the gospel for yourself. And that's what we're going to be doing. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, a lot to think about as we come to the end of the program. However, Lord, there are some simple truths, simple about coming like a little child and asking you to be our Lord and Saviour. And I pray for people listening right now that having listened, they might accept you as Lord and Saviour and that your word would become alive in their hearts and that they would be attracted to come. Amen. Now, listeners, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond. So here's a simple prayer that you can pray. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I want to come to know you. And I'm really afraid that my understanding of things is going to get in the way. I'm sorry for everything that I've done wrong. My thoughts, my actions, my words and the things that I have not done. Lord, please forgive me. Please help me to repent. To turn away from those things. Please come into my life by your spirit to be my Lord and Saviour forever. And help me to be the person you want me to be. Amen. So if you've said that prayer, listeners, and believed in your heart that Christ did come to the earth and die for you, then you are a child of God. God accepts you. And you can come into a rich relationship with God. It is about faith. It is about believing. And you can now come to God. 
Start reading God's Word. In the Bible, you may well have something on your phones. Or you may well actually even have a Bible on the shelf. And if you don't, go to a church that has a Bible and ask them to help you to read it and understand it. My name is Rob Rowe and I'm the director gospel for Grampian Radio based in Aberdeen where our heart is to get the gospel out to every language group around the world. And I present Gospel For You, which we make available to broadcast to Europe, North Africa and the Middle East. Now, we'd love to hear from you if you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Saviour or have a question, then please do get in contact. Our email address is info at g4g.org.uk and you can also contact me on rob, that's r-o-b, at g4g.org.uk. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today and we'll be back again next week with another program gospel for you at the same time 7 p.m c-e-t and i'll be leaving you with your gospel in swedish and also with christ took my soul and that sung by the congregation at victoria gospel hall so älskade gud världen att han gav den sin enda son för att det som tror på honom inte skall gå under utan ha evigt liv Thank mm-hmm. you.